on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast, hosted by Dave and Johnny. Got an exciting episode today. Got um, Peter Keefe on. Dave, you've been working with Peter a good bit. I have. I've um, I've joined his uh, his sessions on a Monday and Wednesday evenings, and they're tough and they're interesting. And there's a lot of people on them, and more people really should do them. And it's not a plug for him at all. It's uh, it's just a recommendation, to be honest. From our side, we don't have any connection with Pete other than he's just a really really nice fella, and he's doing doing a lot of a lot of good work he's doing a lot of good work in douglas around the cork area in general with alf ireland and he has a very very interesting backstory so what's he what's he got you doing now in these classes uh they're they're a good mixed bag to be honest like today's session was so my like my goal has been to one be more mobile like a little bit stronger and a little bit fitter um, so he's doing sessions around art and into circuits and into cardio stuff, which is of huge benefit to me because I want to make sure that I continue to fit into some nice, decent duck hook gear that we're currently wearing and are they're obviously sponsoring the pod. And you just want to just feel a bit better about stuff within lockdown, to be honest, because that, that lockdown... That lockdown few kilos is 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 never far from the door. I'm feeling it, I have to say. I'm feeling the kilos. But I haven't been working out now for the last while. So I'm getting back to it now this evening. But look, before we get into this chat with Peter O'Keefe, guys, remember, go visit duckhook.shop, enter in coupon code bogeyman at checkout. You get 15% off. Without any further ado, here's Peter O'Keefe. Peter, welcome to the pod. Great to have you on. Um, you're sitting there in your Normatech boots. I am. I am. Yeah. Just recovering from a couple of tough sessions this week. So no, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Well, you saved a couple of tough sessions. You're on 15 sessions a week now at the moment with all your classes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's great. It's really going well. Um, you know, from, from golf Ireland classes to, you know, my own stuff to, you know, local rugby teams, um, other junior classes I'm doing. Um, yeah, it's great. It's it's. I'm saying there before we came on. This is probably the first night in a good few months that I don't have a class. I had a had Cork on there doing S and C for the last twelve weeks. So um, yeah, it's good. Look, I think it's it's something that's going to stay. And certainly the feedback I get, it's it's a it's a fitness solution that people are happy with. They like logging in at the comfort of wherever they train and getting what they need out of it and pushing a button and just getting on with their night. You know, I could attest to it anyway on one of your courses at the moment and they are tough i am stiff and sore i don't know how you are after 15 of them in a way yeah but i suppose that's now um where we want to get to pete because your i suppose path in golf is probably more storied than most Um, we had a chat about it initially you went from i suppose elite amateur to u.s collegiate to the challenge tour went through Q school seven times. Don't know how you managed to keep your head on your shoulders and stay sane doing that because 
it's just it sounds like the most horrible place on earth for for people and then back to the amateur game but look go back to the start start douglas is where it all kicked off yeah so well initially i started playing golf in in frankfield golf club um which has since closed i you know it was just um, a lovely nine hole course on the side of a hill and i i just lived up there and started working and practicing and just you know grew to love the game i loved the, the sense of individual sports i wasn't i played every team sport under the sun and you know, was quite good at some things, but I just didn't. I just didn't fancy the the team environment in a dressing room per se. So, um, I think I really took to golf. And yeah, I've been playing playing in Douglas since 1996. It's my home club. Um, I'm Douglas to the core, and my one of my businesses is, is now based in Douglas, which I love. Um, so yeah, it was it was uh, it kind of went from there really. Like most, you went over to the US. It was southeastern Louisiana. Yeah. And did sports science, and you actually studied, which is really weird for Irish guys who go over and play golf in America. Yeah, um, I suppose the first thing I was only talking about this today to someone. For some bizarre reason, I'm just uber competitive in everything I do, and especially when it comes to golf. And I always feel whether I ever achieve what I need or want to achieve in golf. There's just always some unfinished business that keeps me so interested in practicing and training and just competing um i love competing you know like i i went to college in the states i suppose i, I never really saw myself as an elite amateur per se before i went to college um i was good i was on the irish youth team as it was at the time and you know i was always interested in just kind of getting as good as i could and got a chance to go to the states and really ended up in a, in a very good environment there, which suited me down to the ground because it was extremely structured, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I came back, I suppose my last year, I, I felt I probably should have been included on the Irish team and kind of kicked my legs a little bit and went off to tour school to see what that was all about and found myself at final stage, first go out as an amateur. And then all of a sudden I'm on the challenge tour with a decent category and it kind of went from there. But I suppose looking back on that, you know, I wasn't ready. I, well, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. I definitely wasn't te- as technically aware or consistent as I am now as a golfer. And it, it really did show in my results because, you know, I'd, I'd play okay for a couple of weeks and I'd miss four or five cuts. And, you know, that's all new. That's just new. Everything is new to you. So um, surprisingly, I didn't mind the tour school journeys. Um, I... I, I f- still think it's the, the fairest assessment of any sports person. I think if you can survive 14 rounds against your peers at that level and then finish in the top 25, you know, best of luck to you. You're, you're more than entitled to, to be on the European Tour. Um, yeah, I went seven times, um, had some success, but I learned so much. I just learned so much about myself and I learned, you know, what type of player seems to get through. Um, I remember my first time playing stage one I, I played with Simon Thornton in the last two rounds and we were playing in St. Anne's in England and he was just in so much control and had so much more experience and you know he had so much more his attitude was at a different level to mine completely and you know we still like he cruised through I got in on the number and you know it doesn't surprise me then Simon goes on to win on tour and get his card and you know all these little bits I suppose now as a as a 39-year-old, um, you know, I've, I've learned so much over the years just from that type of thing to, to you know, you're fully exposed. 
you find out quickly where your weaknesses are and more often than not it's not actually technical at all it's it's how you react and you know how you, how how good you can deal with certain situations um but like you know i've had debates with, with certain coaches on this you know some people say oh I would be slow to send a player to tour school until they're absolutely ready. I would completely disagree. I would, I would 100% say to anyone, if you're thinking about, you know, if you have a bit of game and you're looking to, to turn pro and just go to, like, invest the money, get your ass on, you know, into a stage and just see how you get on. Not, not, not even how many shots you hit. Just see how you survive or do you get the buzz of getting through stage one? And that buzz is lovely. And, the bigger buzz is getting through stage two because then all of a sudden you're playing for categories. You, you've got some something to plan around and like how you respond to pressure. And, you know, everyone has a level that they're comfortable with. You know, some people find like my fifth or sixth or seventh time I found stage one bit of a breeze. I just, you know, keep it steady and everyone else will, will mess up around you, that kind of way. Um, stage two, you have to play golf. And then stage three, you, you obviously have to, you have to just have a good week, you know. Um, so like, I could talk about that all day long. It's just, uh, it's a great soul-searching situation where you kind of, you know, you'll really learn a lot about yourself. So what what made you so different at that level, at first stage compared to other? Um, well, I, I remember I birdied the last two to get in on the number. I hold two 30-footers on two, there are two par fives. I was just trying my arse off to get through that stage so, so hard. Like, I'll never forget my buddy who was caddying for me. He, you know, he was, we were just so in it, you know what I mean? And it was, I remember waking up the following morning and I know like, some people might say, Jesus, your man's getting very excited about stage one. But at the time, the situation was huge for me. And, you know, the, the following morning, I, I, I thought I'd won the open, like just getting through, you know, just getting through that, that, that first stage and then what the second stage mean. And, you know, I went to second stage and I finished second or third at that stage and got straight through to final stage. I played lovely in, in a Spanish course. It just, I just liked. Um, and then, you know, again, you're just going up different levels and the environments change. And at the time I was fairly wide-eyed. Like I was, I was just, you know, I was a little, I felt a little bit out of my depth at the time. Um, it's gas. I caddy for Robin there now in final stage for him the last, last year, maybe. And, you know, he, he, he missed by a shot, the four-round cut. He, you know, he'd tell you himself, he probably should have cruised through it. But, you know, he's not out of his depth. He's fully, you know, there to get a card. And we played with, uh, or he played with Garrick Higo and Benjamin Pope, two guys who got their cards. And, like, easy for me. It was a great week for me because all I was doing was just chatting to Robin and, and trying my best for him. And, you know, but also observing myself as a player. And, you know, they're not, like, Benjamin Pope won the school eventually. Um Garrick Higo has one on tour and I would have said looking at them it would have been the other way around but what they did have in common the two of them was just a super super attitude and you know things didn't go to plan you know they were grand it was just no there was no major panic so mm. they, their golf then kind of was was just nicely under control the whole time which is something I'm always aware and something I always watch even now when I'm working with younger players like you know So would you say that Q School is probably a better barometer of people's psychological skill set rather than physical because obviously everyone that's there can can golf their ball it's really when it comes to what's between your ears yeah there's 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 a lot of um just take final stage you know you you can actually break the categories down there's probably half the field delighted to be there and there's half the field you know distraught they're there 
-hmm. you know i see that as a massive opportunity for the people on the way up obviously and you probably you know be an interesting stat to delve into a little bit more but i think as a process if any player came to me and we're you know we've had these conversations i've you know so lucky now to work with a lot of good players you know i i would always and just purely from you know i hate this phrase journey but the experience of you know putting yourself out there right i'm here to put my hat my hat in the ring for 25 places to you know to to have a chance to do something really special so rather than oh, I'm going to give it another year and try and win a championship which is great There's, that's a great buzz as well but if you're at the point where you actually have you know that in your mind you want to turn pro and play as a professional I'm, I'm saying like there's a financial investment into this it's a cheap it's actually a cheap thing to find out it's a great investment for any player and if they go and they find well I couldn't time my game for that week or I couldn't prepare well enough or I just didn't like it or I couldn't perform well then you've got other issues you need to iron out before you go again you know because it's not like this is another thing you see some guys they're decent amateurs and then they turn pro and they expect the sun to start shining straight away I mean they're still the same golfer so there's there's lots to build on you know if you're not exceptional obviously you know the reason I wanted to get into this is after the masters because finishing second we had someone who last year didn't have status on the corn ferry tour this year didn't have doesn't actually currently have status on the pga tour and now is ranked world 27 number 27 was second in the match and that's will zalatoris and what i have always come across a challenge tour and obviously corn ferry tour it, it happens a lot but because we're more familiar with the challenge tour is that the the talent isn't an issue for a huge amount of the field that's there getting off the tour for them is such a blocker and it's happened for a lot of irish people I and mean, we go back to like by 2013 i think peter was the long walk was the mm. documentary yeah. the follow you guys and like anyone looking at that would have said why are you doing this to yourselves like you're playing on courses where there's no one following you um pushing your own bag a lot of the time and putting yourself through mental turmoil but there's an underlying confidence amongst everybody i felt there and i caddied on the challenge tour and i found it amongst them all the thought was if i get off this i'm going to make a million quid a year and they're guaranteed they're, they're absolutely sure of that every single one of them are on it yeah like it's it's um it's so true i, I remember uh the year I got my first challenge tour card, let's say, I, I, I used to say, like, if I could make maybe 50 grand next year, I'd be good. I think I made eight grand the first season. You know what I mean? And I was kind of looking, going, no, I didn't play well. I, you know, I had a few finishes, made a few cuts or whatever. But again, like, every everyone has little achievements or little battles you need to win. And, and like, your first check as a pro or your first cut, like, I made my very first cut. I went off to Kenya on my own. And I will never forget this. I was hanging on for dear life on the last few holes just to make the cut. And I'm like, you know, and I'm very aware as a human, like, you know, coming in after that going, that is not what this is about. You know what I mean? Yes, grand. I made it through. I made the cut. I will make some money. It's exciting in a way. But like, I'm not contending. I was off at like 7.50 the following morning. You know, you're not in the event. Um, you know, fast forward to now when I play amateur events, I'm never in that mindset anymore because I know if I play well, I'll 
contend in the event. If I play really well, I should win the tournament. That's just the way my mind works now. But like, there's been so much learning and accepting that I've had to do over the years. You know, like when I look back at my professional career, I kind of deleted it out of my brain, if I'm honest, because at the playing side of it, because I didn't, I wasn't technically good enough. I wasn't smart enough about my own swing. Physically, I wasn't good. You know, there was an awful lot of stuff that I'm just more switched on to now. Um, but what I have kept on to are the learnings, the life experiences that I learned, the situations I found myself in, um, the resilience that I've built up and that I apply to other parts of my life. That's 100% gotten from golf, no, no question. So I do not have any regret whatsoever. And even when people say, oh, you know, you, you didn't do this or you didn't do that. I'm like, yeah, so what? But this is what I have done and, and I've applied it to other things. And, you know, like life is long. You never know. Sure, like who, who knows? You could win a British amateur and find yourself playing the Open and have a good week. And you, you'll never, ever know. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, you know, I, I met a guy there last, last year and he was giving me a little bit of lip, like, about you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Like, you know, and I'm like looking at him going, you know, and this guy was an ex-professional rugby player, right? Not going to hang the guy now, but he knows who he is, right? So we're having this back and forth, and I'm looking at him going, first of all, A, you should be way more aware, but you're not for some bizarre reason, right? And B, you know, it's easy enough for a team sports person to call out someone who's put their whole life into an individual sport and literally gone all over the world watching their pennies, right? But again, you know, I had, I, and that was another reason that, I decided to stop playing at whatever, 30 or 31. You know, I had great support and I had sponsorship, but I was always trying to watch the bottom line. And, you know, I really, I suppose there's something innate in me. I always wanted to paddle my own canoe, like, so I hated going back to the well and I hated, you know, doing fundraising days and so on and so on. I always used to say I'd actually prefer to sponsor someone than get sponsored. It's just be so much, so much easier. So, uh, you know, like things like that, you know, your results, obviously, they, they set you up or, they, they, you know, your, your achievements as X, Y, Z. And I've, I've had good things happen to me as a professional golfer, but, you know, it's, it's what I've gained from it now as a player right now. I, I, I you know, you, you couldn't buy it. So that's, that's why I, I think I implore younger players, if they're trying to do anything in this game, put yourself into the position and just, you know, write the check, enter the tournament, see how you go. And, and you'll have a good idea after that, like, you know simple actually just for the record that professional play, ex-professional player wasn't me that <laughs> gave you the lip um no no <laughs> i wouldn't I, put it past you that if i yeah right <laughs> like i i just find because it's, it's quite similar funny similarities but like i would have done something quite similar and gone across to france and played over there for a long time and then came back because but but the, the, it's the part that's like the cutting the cord bit is, is quite tough because I always felt like you're a professional rugby player. But then when you stop being a professional rugby player, what are you? Do you know, mm. like you're, there's, there's an identity thing. But now I find it shocking that another professional person would say that. But I can understand a, someone in a team sport doing it because it's a salary job. Like for the duration of the contract, you're guaranteed three, four, five, six, seven, eight, up to whatever they get. At, at, at like international level per month and that, that's guaranteed to come in um i find that just bizarre that someone would have that cut it's like it smacks of a huge amount of insecurity to be honest but like 
underpinned by it all though is like this like like masochistic love of the game and that it, it doesn't give you as much as you put into it golf just doesn't ever no no well listen i mean this is this is another thing i i try to drill into younger players that i'm around and i i like to surround myself as much as i can in various roles that i'm in now through golf ireland or here at the golf club and just you know almost put my arms around all of them and say lads this game is actually going to drive you insane more than it's going to give you happiness but that is the challenge and if you're mentally resilient enough or if you're accepting enough you'll have so much success and and if you're not it's just either going to take you longer it's going to force you out of the game or it's going to delay your progress and and you know we've got like we have we have some really, really good players here in Douglas at the moment. Like really good players. They could be, they could be top players. And like, you know, I suppose, you know, I have a role with them in some some respects. But a lot of it is just going out in the golf course and just just watching and and asking the, the awkward question. And you know, it's funny we've a we've a young fella here, Mel DC. He's an absolute flusher. And mark my words, you will see him do something really good in the next year or two. And we were practicing probably about a year ago and we stopped in the tee and he hit a ball left and we hadn't even warmed up. Like, you know, it was just one of those kind of let's casual. And he said, I don't hit that shot. And I said, you know what, Mel, that's you. Like, I you say that sentence 20 years ago, like, you know, and I said, Grant, you, fair enough. I get what you're saying in the sense that your miss is not left. Mm-hmm. But like, by, by telling yourself that stuff and, and driving that into yourself, like, it's not good. It's it's just not good. And it's funny. Um, Audrey Harrington spoke to us as an Irish team a couple of years ago, and he he said a great phrase in sports. And you know, I'd apply this to business as well. You have to talk to yourself like you're talking to your best friend. And if it's anything different, you know, you're you're killing yourself, especially in a golfing respect. You know, and it's you know, like attitude and acceptance are two things I try and drill into myself and any player I work with. Because if you can, if you have one and the other kind of following close behind it like it removes so much tension as a golfer um you know and it's some and some people tend to grasp that and others take longer to get it and again that's that's fine but it's a it's a very important cocktail for golf for sure did you have this kind of knowledge when you were playing on tour or is this stuff that's no no i was very amateur as a professional i was unfortunately um I suppose I didn't have, I just didn't have the knowledge that I have now. Um, I didn't have, I wasn't, I won't say I wasn't organized enough, but you know, I was all, I suppose I had too much, I had too many chips on the table at the time. Um, I had all my chips on the table basically. So if you're trying to let your number come up every spin of the wheel, like it's, it's, it's tough, you know, no, I, I still, as I said earlier on, I still loved it and enjoyed it, but I think what I really lacked then that I that I have now as a golfer at whatever level I played was I didn't believe good things were going to happen. I just mm-hmm. wasn't there. I was hoping, um, and I suppose that's as brutally honest as I can be. But I didn't. I had way more confidence going to tour school than I did teeing it up at a Challenge Tour event. How bizarre does that sound? But you were saying there that in your first year. Um, you made what eight thousand on the the challenge tour, and it's obviously not a, a glamorous lifestyle. And everything kind of everything 
builds into you, your grit then as a player and, and the non-glamorous side of the Challenge Tour. But what, what does a year on Challenge Tour cost for guys thinking about it or even toying with the idea of, should I try to go to Q school and get on the Challenge Tour? Like what is the... Like, what are the realities of... The reality, well, just, just let, let's take tour school, for instance. Like, you know, I hear, oh, I, I'm raising 10 or 12 grand for tour school. And I'm going, well, hang on, 2,000 sterling gets you entered and, you know, a grand will get you through the tournament. So, I mean, that is the reality of it. Like, I think I was looking at the events this year. You can you can pick your stage at stage one. I think they've eight, eight stages now to choose from. So if you want to go to the UK later in the year, you can do that. Or you can go to France or you can go elsewhere. So, I mean, you can, you can pick, um, you know, I suppose the, the luxury you have at times, if you go to lots of tour schools, you get to know the golf courses and what ones you like, mm-hmm. um, which is a position I found myself in, which made stage one a little easier for me as the years went on. Um, but I, I think the initial financial hurdle is the, the couple of grand you have to put in to enter. Um, and, you know, it, it, is an, it is an entry, but like you, you play solid. You finish, I think it's twenty percent of the field progress after stage one. Then you you're you're into stage two, and then you've a real shot at something. You know, I won't say life changing, but something certainly is going to change your outlook as a golfer. Um, you know, it did it did for me. I I like the honesty. I I, I was like a spoiled child. Like I should have felt I should have got on the Irish team when I went away and entered tour school to make a statement. Now, like. What what I did on no unbeknownst to myself was was providing myself with a massive experience and massive learning and kind of leapfrogged that thing I was mulling over. Um and then, you know, it took me, as I say, you find yourself in Kenya four or five months later and then you're in Austria or you're in Denmark and I like all that that finding your feet really, really builds you up and, and gives you, you know, not to be too cliche, but it gives you an awful lot of tools as a person like that you wouldn't have gotten you know, in a team environment, let's call it, or, or still playing an amateur circuit. No, not taking anything away from either of those, but I keep coming back to like if 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 any players at home and they're just really in their mind saying, "I'd love to to see what I'm like as a professional." Before they even even if you before you look at a mini tour or you go down that road, like just enter that tournament and and see how you go. I know now a week is is it's hard to, but the upside is is what I always look at, the upside. If you make it out of that first stage, even the buzz of seeing how you get on now against probably challenge tour players, and you're going to get drawn with these guys, you're going to be around them practicing on the range, on the putting green, just the, the taste of the, the different environments. You know, there's, it's, it's just, it's great learning, it's, and it's a very cheap investment. Um, you know, I... I I, I keep and I I as I, I keep going back to I I never really dreaded it I, I I looked forward to it and you know I did okay and I I always made it through some way and made it to final stage a couple of times but um it's it is a great learning curve for people if they want to go on it you know do you think now that the advent of a Monday qualifier coming into the Euro Pro Tour is a good thing or a bad thing based off what you just said then um. Because we could, we could all go up now and, and try our hand and just have we one could, look. We week. could, you know, it's obviously, I mean, the, 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 the glaringly obvious thing, there's a commercial upside for the tour there. But um, yes, yeah, I mean, grand, like, you see, like, the Euro Pro Tour is great. I played a few events on it. Um, the harsh, like, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. Um, if I, I never... 
I won't say I never liked it, but I could never get comfortable playing there because I always felt myself I should be on another tour. And I had a challenge tour card, first off. That happens to challenge, that happens to challenge tour fellas then. It's 100%. Like, it shouldn't be 100%. here. Like, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then you get caught in that rut. Um, and then what happens is you find yourself on that tour. Now, you know, like, and, and that happens at the higher levels too. There's no, you, there's no question about that. Guys come back to challenge tour from main tour. It's a little paired back. All the bells and whistles are all of a sudden gone. And it's, you know, that's, that's a, an impressive, I always think it's very impressive when someone loses their card and comes straight back up the following year. I mean, that's a, that's a massive show of resilience. Um, the thing that you've bugged me in the earlier years of the Europro, it's probably come on leaps and bounds since then is, you know, coming from Challenge Tour was all, all very well organized and everything was, was there for you, down to, you know, simple food things. And it was just very bare back in the day when I was playing. And I suppose I just, I got, uh, you know, I just got, no, I did, I, again, like I, was, I wasn't on the tour for long. I was always trying to play Challenge Tour events, but... I think that's, a, that's a, a banana skin that's certainly there for some players going back a level, you know. So then when did the shine start to kind of leave the professional side of, of golf for you? I had enough. I literally, I just had enough. I was 31. I wasn't making any money. I've always had aspirations to have success in, in whatever I do, albeit sport or, or business as I got into Um and I just had enough. I was around players on the Challenge Tour who were married with families. And I'm looking at them going, first of all, I don't think you have the game to make, make the, the main tour. And, you know, some lads might have been on the main tour and golf had just passed them by. They weren't athletic enough. They weren't big enough or, or fast enough. Um, and, you know, I just wasn't going to be that guy. Um, and I, I made a very clean cut decision. I didn't even tell anyone. I applied for my amateur status back straight away. Um, said nothing to anyone and just yeah I just pulled the cord on it um which I don't regret at all it was a good decision it was just you know it was one of those situations I, I treated it like a business I was saying right this is a loss maker and as much as I love it I'm out um I'm not going to start borrowing any more money and that's what you end up doing you you, you big borrow steal to keep going um so yeah I got I got out uh, so to speak, and just put my energies into it, right? I said, I'm going to be a good amateur player and I'm going to build a business around that um, and just see how I go from there. I, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, it was, I got out of it and you will never catch me near a rugby club again. Like I just completely fell out of love with it and that's what tends to happen with a lot, with some people. And then some people, certainly from a golf side, they'll want to stay in it and will because I suppose that's, they, they've done not the sports science route that you have, but certainly they'll get into P, the PGA route and they'll, they'll get aligned with a club or else in your instance. And what uh, you've, you've applied what you did previously in a previous life, but I'm actually in, curious the photos behind you. It's like your professional experience perfectly prepared you to be the best, one of the best amateurs in Ireland. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I mean, like, again, and, and you know, it, it's, it's funny when, I, when, I, when I'm doing this podcast now, this is, it's almost like a bit of therapy. It, when I'm thinking about, you know, I, I will give everything I can to an up-and-coming young player, like everything I absolutely have, um, purely because, like, I've been a player, like, 
let's let's call it my previous amateur life before I turned pro, I could never, ever, ever work out how I was going to win a championship. The highlight of my year was trying to make the Irish team and I'd make the Munster team every year and I'd compete or contend in some events, but I'd never see myself winning tournaments. And, you know, that's a belief issue. Um, and maybe it took me seven years banging my head off a wall playing as a professional golfer to then, you know, get all that out of my system and learn what it actually takes to win a, win a tournament and be comfortable at a higher level. And, you know, I, I came back as an amateur in 2016, having basically waited out a two-year period um, playing golf in Douglas and trying to be as competitive as I can or just, you know, keep myself ticking over. Um, played for Munster that year, won a shower, won a, I don't know, four or five scratch cups, and I started getting just a bit comfortable in, no, a, a big part of that was I, I started working properly with Noel Fox and that's a massive part of, let's call it my success as an amateur in, in the latter years. Um, I played with Noel on the Challenge Tour and he was on tour at the same time and I always looked to Noel as as a, a role model when I was an amateur and he was the he was the man and how does he do this? And again, trying to work out what he has. Now he obviously had very he had something physical that most players didn't um, in terms of his ball striking, but he also had, he knew how to win tournaments. And I got to know him a bit when we were playing as pros. And for me, that was a big jump because, you know, you're looking at a guy saying, how does he do that? And all of a sudden you're playing the same events as him. And um, we just had similar interests and similar personalities. We, we, we still get on great. But, you know, I, I approached him and I just said, look, Foxy, my swing, I hate looking at it. I just hate it. Uh, I feel it feels out of control. I feel I have control of the club once in a blue moon. What are we going to do? And he said, right, there's, let's let's treat this as a project. And that was, yeah, that was, that was what are we now, 21? Yeah, that was 16. Um, and he said, it's just going to take a long time. Um, you know, a complete rebuild and just different feelings and different, absolutely different knowledge that I had ever been exposed to, which which I liked, and I've learned an awful lot from him. Um, and then roll around May 17, I had started to play really nicely in that in that winter. I kind of won a few winter series things, and um, I, I met him the Tuesday at the Irish Amateur in Carton House, and I was absolutely flushing it. And he was like, "You could win this thing really easy," and I, I like I probably took it in there somewhere but I went up there with no expectations I hadn't seen Royal County down before and all this hype of the the biggest assembled field and the US Walker Cup team were there and all but the, the thing that really went in my favor is I absolutely knew nobody I didn't have a clue who anyone was um I had an idea of who you know you'd see good swings and you'd say all right that that strike sounds like something different or who's that guy or but I really didn't have a clue who anyone was um and that all went that week went to plan, and I suppose from since since winning that tournament, um, I've you know done well in other things and picked up another couple of titles. But I suppose what it's done for me as a player is just kind of really relaxed me in the sense that what really makes me tick is knowing that when my technique is good, I'm actually calmer, um, and when I'm calmer, I play better. And that's that's my cocktail. So. Uh, it took me a long time to realize that. And, you know, when you when you think back, had I had that, let's call it a technical intervention at an earlier time, things might have been different, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. So um, that's kind of, uh, that's that's where things change there.
what's the process like for getting your amateur status back? Because I've heard Dave say that it is, it's, it's not a, as simple as checking a box. No, it's not. It's, 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 to be fair, it was, sim- it was simple enough in the sense you just get a lot of paperwork from the RNA and you fill it out and you be as honest as you can in, in terms of what you've played in and um, the levels you play at. And essentially, they, they make a decision and they say, I think they said to me, it was two years from my last time operating as a professional, um, which was a tour school I had played at the end of whatever season it was. And that gave me a two-year waiting period, um, which was, you know, was grand. funnily enough, it, it passes fairly soon. But like, it's just the summers are tough when you're, you're seeing events happening, albeit either pro or amateur, and you're kind of going, Christ, I'd love to get something going here. but um yeah it's 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 tedious to say the least but um it's very nice when it finishes because you're just you're you're kind of going right i can compete now again and you're back at it how would peter o'keefe if you turn pro tomorrow do if you went yeah, back good, on tour good, good question um i think i think there's a lot of a lot of things it's a good question uh do i well I, like somewhere in my brain i always tell myself that i can i could compete or can compete at that level Um, i think a big part of it is being comfortable in that environment um and i, I go back to robin i carry for robin in the irish open in the hinge and i give him one thing you know he he's a guy i feel if he actually gets on tour he'll be there for his life um his biggest challenge is actually getting there because He's extremely comfortable in that environment. In fact, he thrives in that environment. Um, and I think, you know, some guys, you'll see them. I mean, you see the Bob McIntyre's and the Will Zalatoris. Like, they, they obviously thrive in that environment. It's something they've wanted their whole lives. And when they get the chance, they go after it. Um, you know, and the, the unfortunate thing about golf is that some guys just don't ever seem to break in there. Albeit, if they did, they'd probably fly it. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I'm 39 now, like I have, you know, I have a family and two kids, like, would I love to go again? I would, I would love it, um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's a turn of, a turn of phrase. All right, okay, I thought, I thought, it, all right, I thought it was a statement of intent rather than a turn of phrase. I, I, have, I, have, I, have no, I have no plans to turn pro grad, like I'm, I'm involved in too many other things now, it would yeah. turn my world upside down, um, so... I'm happy enough uh, advising players at the moment and, and trying to win win titles as an amateur. It's, it's, it's t- all of that has taken you into international teams, which is like your original goal, like back in whatever it was, 2005 or six, and you tick that box. Um, and then like business and earning a living has to kick in and you, you're now, the way you said it there, the eight grand that you won your first year probably wasn't going to carry a business for too long. But fast forward to, to like I suppose March of this year where you've set up the performance center in Douglas and you've you've said you've you've a couple of bits going and then all that crashes to a halt and all of a sudden you're probably one of the most recognized people in Irish golf at the moment because of the because of the business so tell us about that yeah um so I've been involved in the the gym business now I'd say what are we about five six years um I've always had, uh, I suppose, an itch I've wanted to scratch because I, I have, I, I'm just convinced, and it's not convinced. I know it's going to happen that gyms are going to end up in golf clubs um, the world over. It's just going to be a place you go and to train rather than no. Obviously, we'll 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 still go to commercial gyms, etc. But I think 
that people love going to their golf club and there's almost a sense of ownership of, of being there to do whatever. If there's a health and fitness or a wellness center there on site, you're going to use it as a member of the golf club. It's just, it's just going to happen. And um, I approached Douglas Golf Club about uh, the one I have here. And, you know, again, you need, you need progressive people. And we have Carl Borneman, who's chairman, and John McHenry, general manager. I mean, you couldn't deal with two better guys. And they're teammates of mine and they're friends of mine. And, you know, to be fair, I, I, I brought this proposal to the club and um, they were all over it. And so I put in the facility. And obviously before COVID started in this country, there was uh, people using it and using and joining and using memberships. And it was working. It was great. Um, and it was great to see. And I suppose it was something I've seen. I've been doing golf fitness classes physically in golf clubs for maybe three years. I'd, I'd go to Muskery, Cork, Monkstown and Douglas um, and do golf fitness classes on site with the members. And, you know, I'd see like in, on, a, on a winter's night, people would come to their golf club. You know, I was thinking there's no one going to show up tonight. And they'd come. They'd all come. And sometimes I was doing three classes back to back. There was, there was great demand for these things. And I just saw with my own eyes that, that people, A, love doing a fitness activity at their golf club and B, love coming to their golf club to do something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so fast forward, I suppose, to March of last year when lockdown one, let's call it, hit. I was left with four golf clubs with one week left of a six-week course. And I just really wanted to get it done. Um, didn't have a clue about Zoom. Just read up about Zoom, um, you know, put an email out there. Would you like to try this? Uh, painted up a part uh, and put a bit of AstroTurf down on a, a patio out the back of my house. And I remember the weather was very good. Got better internet for the house and just tried it. And it worked well. Um, then bought a gazebo for that area and started doing classes out the back of my house. And, you know, just saw something that is year on now has has really turned into a, a standalone business in itself um and it's it's great i i think i suppose my my goal is to continue to try and build a golf fitness community i mean let's say as i mean i have people outside of ireland doing the classes at the moment but from junior golfers to i do a ladies class i do a mixed class at Duran dave i mean there's there's a vast variety of people doing that class for various reasons and I get all the emails you know people telling me real personal stuff about their wellness and their mental health and what being able to train during a challenging time let's call it has done for them but has also kept them connected to golf um, even if we can't actually play they feel that you know we're, we're, we're doing golf specific movements in a hit class format let's call it um, so they're getting a kind of you know a, 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 the best of both worlds there so yeah, it's great. It's I love it. Um, obviously, physically taxing for me, but I, I just treat it as my own training, and I, I prepare myself around that. Um, but yeah, I can. I, I want to continue to build that, and I want to continue to speak to golf clubs to try and get gyms, golf specific gyms. Let's let's call them that. That will be, you know, accessible online classes, accessible to members, and that basically the the online and on-site class schedule tends to grow, um, which give, gives the end user more choice. That's, that's kind of where I'm going with this, you know? Yeah, I, the, the part that was not, I wasn't, I wasn't shocked, Peter, because I'd, I'd seen your stuff on Instagram and knew it was, it's good and it's relevant, but were the numbers a surprise? Because there are a lot of people in the session. 
There are. Um, I mean, like, I like to have a chat too. Like, as in, it's a bit of a like, uh, you're a bit of an agony aunt for the first ten minutes of it. Or as, yeah, well, uh, as that's goals. that's uh, that's that's part of it. I think again, the community aspect, and this is all absolute feeling my way through this. When I started out, I was like before. I'd open a class 20 minutes beforehand and hope that I'd hear a couple of ding-dongs and, you know, in fairness, like it, 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 they all came and, you know, there's the marketing side of it is, is a big part of it and your content and, you know, mm. but I, I, I plan every session differently. I try and make every session be different um, and I try and be as creative as I can. And, you know, we're, we're, we're basically trying to communicate people to people to get better it'll swing the club better. So basically, you're, you know, you're trying to help people play golf injury-free, more mobile, better core strength, better speed, and try and explain the concepts behind the route I'm going with the exercises. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, the classes grew and grew and grew. Um, they are learning more about Zoom and that program and go through the pain of internet getting weaker during the class and learning about what bandwidth you need and you know you just get your head around that and what cameras you need and I did a class one night and there was a lot of people on the call and I thought I was the business I went down to Harvey Norman and I said look I need to improve my sound and your man said oh the AirPod Pros are the, are the which they are they're excellent but Zoom and the AirPod Pros don't seem to see eye to eye and I was ready to go and sure no one could hear me and you know you're, you're panicking then it's it's just but like when you look back again, you, it's 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 like anything. You just get better at it, and um, I think I have it down to a, a fine uh, a fine art now in terms of getting the thing set up. But when you pass a certain threshold of numbers, you have to, you know, there's a there's a higher subscription. You know, that's fine. They're pleasant problems, but um, yeah, so far so good. What are the areas that you focus on? Is it more mobility or strength conditioning, or like what's? Do you have different classes for different requirements? So I think I do. Like I have, um, and again, I I make this as oh, I can. I very much encourage people in the class to email me before sessions with suggestions, albeit something in their swing physically they're struggling with, or you know areas of their own basic strength or mobility they want to work on. And a lot of the time, I'll I'll you know, design the, the sessions around that, but all the time keeping, you know, I'm trying to, I suppose, teach people to be more aware how to sequence more efficiently, how to use their feet more efficiently, how to use their weight distribution. You know, if you have a certain swing fault, what are the physical limitations attached or associated with that? And just basically, my main message to people as, as golfers is to be extremely body aware and to know in your golf swing, what are your tendencies right down to the ball flight and peel it back to something physical that they can improve in the class that will essentially make them play better golf. Now, I could stand up and do a generic mobility session till my hair falls out and people will get more mobile and that's fine. Um, but I, I really want to impart any knowledge I have on the biomechanics side of golf, uh, which is the part I love. Um, it's the part that's really improved me as a player myself. and the more aware I've gotten of my own movements, um, take the club out of it, the better golf I play, 100%. And, you know, people have different agendas. Like I've, I have I have people in their late 70s and 80s in that class and they're there for longevity. And again, a message to them in my class would be, you train at your own pace. It doesn't matter if we're doing a circuit of 20 minutes. 
it's 45 seconds on, you go at your own pace, you're at home. That's the beauty of online classes. What I, what I found when I was doing, let's call them real classes, is that everyone goes to the tune of the fastest person. And then, you know, you're, you're watching people not to get injured. Um, and you're spending a lot of your time just trying to manage the class that way. Whereas if you can send a message to a group that, look, this is, this is the goal here. This is what we're trying to do. It's kind of, um, it's something that anyone can benefit from, provided you don't abandon the technique I'm showing you and you go at your own pace. And I think, I think it's, it's, a, it's a system that works and, I, and you know, people, are, people are loving it anyway, which is, which is a good thing. Golf sounds like it's put you on a funny journey in terms of you've gone from it all been about you and that's like in, in the best possible way as a professional to you actually deriving probably more enjoyment out of other people's now at this stage, are you? Yeah, I, I, you know, as a, I found my way a lot on my own as a golfer, as a kid, because I wasn't, my parents didn't play. You know, I had certain supports, but I didn't necessarily someone, you know, my, my coach as a kid, Dave White, was a great guy, um, still is a great guy. Uh, but, like, as a player, I was kind of made Irish. You know, I, was all, I, I just felt a lot of the time I wasn't really ready. So I'm watching. I, I work for Golf Ireland now, which is a position I love, and... I love just doing the sessions when we're, let's say we're on site, we use Fort Island here in Cork, which is a brilliant facility. Um, just being more aware of the actual person behind the golfer. And I think that's, as a, as a coach, it's an extremely important thing to, I suppose, build that trust first and foremost, whether I'm there as an S&C coach or whether a young fella has a question about anything in golf. Um, I try and make myself as approachable as I can to to help whatever you know. The question might be as bizarre as something totally unrelated, but you know, I I hope I can. And and the same position up here in Douglas, we've we have a massive junior program which I'm heavily involved in. And again, like it's just about spotting. First of all, it's easy to spot the you're the best golfer in each group. That's that's not the hard part, but it's it's to spot the guys who might be struggling for some other reason that you can help them on. Um, Whereas you might lose them if you miss it, you know that kind of way. So, um, yeah, I'd say it's a part I love. It's just I don't I don't know. It's just it's some some it's deep in there, but I, I I like doing it. And if anyone wants to get involved or start taking their health and fitness a bit more seriously, how can they get in touch? You can see um, all the info is on my website O'Keefegolf.com, or I have a very active Instagram page um, and Facebook O'Keefe Golf Performance. Um, and you can get in touch with me through, through any of those mediums and you, you'll see what's going on. Lovely stuff. Listen, Peter Heath, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we hope plenty of you guys listening tune in and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Thanks, guys. See you soon. On the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory.